black and white and red all over. Ian Murta. He can talk football all day. Well, Merry Christmas to all our listeners from Northumberland through Tyneside and Wearside to County Durham to Teesside and North Yorkshire. Well, right now, Santa's sleigh is going to stop in Middlesbrough because <laughs> my first guest is Rob Nichols, who is the editor of what I consider to be one of the best fanzines in the country. Certainly one of the, the, the finest title, Fly Me to the Moon. And I think most of our listeners will know how that got its name, but uh, we'll get Rob to explain. But it's appropriate because in recent weeks, I've had guests from Sunderland and Newcastle. But this week... Sadly, there's only one of our teams in the League Cup semi-finals. Newcastle getting knocked out by Chelsea. And my second guest later on in the second half of the show, Damien Spellman, will be talking about that. But I'm absolutely delighted to have Rob on. I was going to start, Rob, by asking you what you wanted for Christmas, but I guess you got your best present on Tuesday night at Vale Park. I did, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Didn't we <laughs> it all? It was a brilliant day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm outnumbered here. He's, I'm, I'm going to make sure this show is strictly neutral. Yeah, two smoggies. I, think I, might, I might lose out to two smoggies. Anyway. Anyway, so so tell me about the night, Rob. Oh, yeah. It was... Um... I mean, it was, a, it, it, was, it was a great sort of throwback occasion in, in so many ways. It's a long time since I've been to Port Vale. Um, and... Uh, it and, and for them it was their their biggest ever league cup sort of the first ever league cup quarter final wasn't it and it was it was one of those occasions where they're selling half and half scarves out, outside the ground I, I always think a half and half scarf is a really oh, bad horrible. idea horrible <laughs> <laughs> quite right too quite but right yeah we, no. but but yeah it was a good atmosphere and we scored early and then scored a second and then killed the game early in the second half and then it was then just game management and 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 very sad for the Port Vale fans, but but great, um, great, lots of things to look forward to in, in January now in, in both cups. Absolutely. Now you've you've said game management. I call it cup time management because if you're going to meet yeah. an underdog, then the best thing to do is score two early goals, kill the tie yes. just after <laughs> half time, and cruise the rest. I mean, you know, if Manchester yeah. City had gone to Vale Park, they couldn't have done a more professional, efficient job, could they? I've got to say, it's very un, un- like to do that, isn't it, Rob? <laughs> it's very un northeast like. <laughs> It is, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, we've had to do. Obviously, we've 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 um, been we've been playing underdogs for for most of it. You know, apart from Huddersfield in the fir- the first game, we've been away from home each time and um, playing to, to to clubs from lower divisions. So we've been pretty professional throughout, and that that was our best performance, I think. Uh, in in the whole cup run, so that that bodes well if you're getting better as you're getting closer to the to the final. Could, couldn't agree more. Now, Rob, one of one or two Borough fans I've spoken to, they say, "Oh, we we didn't want Chelsea, we wanted Fulham." But let's face it, you don't want Chelsea in a Wembley final because I've reported on three <laughs> Middlesbrough defeats against uh, against Chelsea. People obviously yeah. they remember the 1997 FA Cup final, but. Uh, the, there's what I consider the long-forgotten League Cup final two years later, but there's also under and yeah. uh, was it Bruce Rioch Colin Todd the Zenith Data Cup ZDS, game back yeah. in 1990? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah so absolutely. Let, let, <laughs> let's beat them. Let's beat them in the uh, in the semi-final and then yeah, yeah, shots. you're right. Uh, Liverpool are full of eh? Yeah, let's let's avoid uh, any thought of uh, playing Chelsea at Wembley without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> let's what not, about you, hey, Dave? Let's, hey, fellas, let's not forget about the 1988 uh, league playoffs as well. Uh, when when well, Burr, that's a semi-final. I was going to bring that up. Of yeah, course. That's, that's right. Borough at home yes. first leg, one two nil. Went to Stamford Bridge, lost one nil. I think it was a, was it a Golden Jury goal? I was there that day. Yes, um, it was. As a wet behind the ear, very young radio reporter, um, running across the pitch with my tape recorder at uh, full time to get some interviews. I need to turn round and see 300, 400 Chelsea idiots running towards me. So we have done it before. We have done it before. And of course, yes, and uh, I think it's, yeah, they, they never did those relegation promotion playoffs again after that. I think for, uh, <laughs> for very good reason, really. Um, but yeah, that was that was our one big thing that we'd actually relegated Chelsea, and then um, they, I think they've they've avenged us several times since, haven't they? Obviously. Well, of course, the, the latest was uh, under Chris Wilder a couple of years ago when, uh, yeah. obviously Middlesbrough knocked out Tottenham with that memorable. Josh Coburn oh, goal, yeah. and I remember go, going to the Riverside for the was it the, was it the fifth round against Chelsea, and you know hoping for another upset. But really, they did teach Middlesbrough a bit of a footballing yeah, lesson. Yeah. It was one-way traffic that day, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, and obviously the two legs. Uh, it means uh, you've you've got to stay in the tie after the first leg, or the or the second one becomes just uh, you, you know it's uh, but but. We, we've obviously, you know, we're talking about this, but we got, we got we got Aston Villa a couple of days before, and Aston Villa, are, I was going to say arguably, but not that arguably, are they? They're, 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 they're the real form team um, in the last Too month nice. or so in the Premier League. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's a hard prospect, and 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 it, uh, but it's exactly what you you're what you're a fan for these sort of games to you know to pick yourself against the top teams. Um, I'm really excited for it, and it, and. And it couldn't happen at a better time because January is always quite like miserable, isn't it? Christmas well is just finished, said. but something to could, look forward to, you know. Could not, could not agree more. Could not agree more. Let's talk about your fine fanzine. It, I mean, I, I'm delighted that it still looks like a fanzine. Of course, Sunderland have a love supreme, but I think Newcastle's fanzine have all gone digital. But I, I love mm. Fly Me to the Moon because it's authentic. It, it, it's still got that thread from the days in the 80s when there were photocopying machines, there was no internet, yeah. and the fanzines were, they were anti-establishment, they, they were anarchic, they were against the club, they were pro the club, they hated the club, they loved the club. I loved all that. And uh, when when I read Fly Me to the Moon, it still feels, it's still got that 80s feel. And I mean that as a compliment, Rob. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted you're saying that, Ian, because that's like, that is exactly the intention, that, that we want to stay true to our roots, even though um, only those that have, we've carried through will, will know what those roots are about. Because <laughs> it's, yes, a, it's yes. a long time ago now, it's 1988, and, and the world has changed. But it's always been really important to us to for it to be a fanzine, not go online or not even not even a, a magazine but to be a fanzine and and uh, yes. I, I guess it's, it's how do you, how do you interpret that and um and, and and for me it's it's got that it's got to have some element of kind of almost like a diy look we don't we don't literally cut and paste anymore with a scalpel um but but it's but, but another important element for me is that it's the voice of lots of fans it's not yes. my voice and I, I'm, I'm often I, I write the editorial, but I sometimes don't re write anything more than that because you just mm -hmm. try and get as many people and as many uh, inputs as you can. And I tell you what, when 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 somebody writes one article, it's amazing thing this because it's 35 years it's been going. If somebody writes one thing, 
they are desperate to write the next time and the next time. They're, everyone seems to, they want to write every single issue. It's, and they get really disappointed and frustrated with themselves if life gets in the way and they, and they miss out. But it's incredible that, you know, people just have that passion for writing and, and that, that, that passion for reading it. Well, that's right. It, it's launched quite a few uh, journalistic careers, hasn't it, of course, as well. But as, as I say, what I, I do love the fact that, you know, I mean, you look at a programme now and so many programmes are like encyclopedias. They're so glossy. They're like holiday brochures. But, yeah. you know, football is still, I'm not going to call it a working class sport, but it, it's a, it still should have a link to the grassroots. And that, that is what I like about, about uh, Flying to the Moon. Thank you, and and it's it's um, a kind of sobering thought that that when it was started, it wasn't started by me, by the way, but when it was started, uh, and there was like a fanzine movement, nobody thought that it would that 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 would go on and on. It, it was mm. you, you didn't think beyond the next match, but it's this kind of sobering thought that many that the many fanzines have outlasted the programs at clubs, and there's a few yes. clubs that don't don't print a program anymore. Very sadly. When did when did you start? Because I think when I last saw you, I made the mistake of thinking you were there right from the outset. But you joined it yeah. a couple of years after it founded, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. It started. So it, it was. It celebrated the thirty fifth birthday at the end of November uh, because mm-hmm. the first the first fanzine was was as as you just described came off a photocopier. Um, yeah. That nobody nobody even had a, like a, a long arm stapler, so it wasn't even stapled. It was just like four pieces of paper folded over, photocopied Fantastic. on a on a works photocopy, typed out on an old fashioned typewriter, um, and it, it and, but it, it it kind of just immediately took off, and it it's amazing to look back. It was just like cartoons and a few three or four friends just writing a few their thoughts about the football club, and people absolutely loved it. And 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 from just about fifty copies or something, the first one, it it, it was just like there was a real demand. Can we can we have another? Can we have, and, and buying more and more, and and within within months it had to be printed, had to find somewhere to to um, lay it out <laughs> well enough to be printed. Because in those days that was a, that was that was a thing that you were, you had to get good typeset and typeface, but. Um, but yeah, we, we, we've gone from fifty to, to like two thousand in uh, copies mm. a match in no time, and I suppose that you, you, if we go back to '88 and we look at the media, then you basically had a, a sports gazette in most towns that yes. would come out. It would be printed during the match, wouldn't it? And they would get it. They would rush it out for just after kick, after the match had finished. I, I and, wrote and there the would pink be up in Newcastle. Yes. Ah, uh, right, right, right. So it was like you, we were a real rush for you to get it get it all out. And um, I think there's a Manchester. I think Manchester City where they actually used to have a wagon outside the outside Main Road, and 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 then um, people fans could actually get it off off the wagon. I seem to remember. It just sounds Victorian, that doesn't it? Speaking it, that it, way, but, is, yeah, but what I mean yeah. is. Yeah, you you had a you had a program that, that there was next to no input from the supporters in, mm-hmm. and there was there was very little of interest in it. To be honest, there was a team on the back that was wrong always, um, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and 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 you you had like the, the chance to write letters in this in the in the pink or whatever on a Saturday, but there was nothing really on TV, very little anyway, uh, yes. to, to do with with your, with your with your team, and there wasn't anything on radio. There was so mm-hmm. uh, it was the idea that, that suddenly you cut out the middleman, you can write your own stuff about a club, 
and you can whinge or you can celebrate. And it was just, uh, it, it, oh, wow, wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone just sort of went for it. Listen, Rob, I was going to ask you why you've been doing it for so long, but I'm not going to ask you that because the passion and enthusiasm of your answers has has, ans- has, yeah. has has told the listener about that. What I will say, is is Fly Me to the Moon as relevant in 2023, coming into 2024, as it was back in those days before the internet? Well, you know, it, it's changed in its nature because it's it, it's obviously not 24-7, and, and at one point, and did think about well, we thought we'd, we'd we were selling less copies. It was getting harder to sort of sustain, and considered packing it in, but made the made the wise decision uh, to to go monthly rather than every match, which was yeah, it was a, like a, a that was a big well, thing. You, you, um, you're getting older, Rob. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. You've you've got like yeah, that's it's like over half my life or whatever, isn't of it? Course, so, yeah. So yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So so, but I think it does it does it does remain relevant because it's still it's still giving supporters quite a few supporters a chance to to not just voice off in the way that you do in in on the internet but to actually be a bit more expansive and 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 and, and, and be and be witty or or be pointed um and i'm still here because fans want it so therefore it's got to be relevant isn't it <laughs> yeah absolutely what i love i think you've got the balance right between being anti-establishment and yet not being rebels for the sake of it you know i think fans i think some of them have gone too far and, and rather than rather than questioning their own club a lot of fans especially online just start slagging off their club's rivals and you know yeah. for instance in the premier league I, I, I won't pick on one club in uh in particular but that you just read a, a lot of bile about their derby rivals or their other rivals in, in in the division and that that's not what a fanzine is about a fanzine should be about you know ticketing policy questioning the club offering constructive criticism as mm. as well as uh shining a light on maybe something that the the, the evening gazette the evening chronicle or sunday echo wouldn't do yeah I, I remember years ago um selling fanzines uh away match outside burnley and a, and a police guy came up to me and he said who's your fanzine against what do you mean? Mm. Who's my? <laughs> was it yeah. against? And then I realised that the Burnley fanzine was against Blackburn. It was all yes. written, and I thought, yeah, you said about my passion. I couldn't sustain that, and and I don't think anyone wouldn't expect anybody else to sustain that sort of passion to to write a fanzine against Leeds, Sunderland, or Newcastle for yes. for more than five minutes. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> it's just like well, you, uh, what a uh, waste of you, energy. <laughs> Love is a far more powerful emotion than hatred. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, without getting too philosophical, let, let's let's talk about the present <laughs> day. And I will ask you for your predictions on on all three northeast clubs. But let's just let's just talk Middlesbrough. I mean, yeah. I think what Michael Carrick has done this season has been a little bit disappointing. But there's a major caveat there. Michael Carrick started with a significantly weaker squad than he ended last season. Yeah. Would you agree? Oh, without a doubt, yeah, absolutely. So are you, I think, so are you um, happy with the way things are going? Yeah, I, I think I think basically he started with a considerably weaker squad, um, and then we really it, 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 he was cool, wasn't he? We both got a press conferences and we saw he, he remained calm at a time when we were thinking 
This is a nightmare. All these all these players that we have joined us in the summer, they are not making any kind of impact or they're making a negative impact. And I think a turning point was at Sheffield Wednesday. Oh, Sheffield Wednesday were absolutely dire. Their own fans were pro- the well, their own fans were supposed to protest, but they couldn't even be bothered. There was they threw mm. tennis balls on the pitch, but there was only about thirty of them did it. So the apathy <laughs> it, when when apathy gets gets hold, then that's a really bad scene. But we drew one all, and and at the time we coming out of that ground thought, is that good or bad to draw one all with Sheffield Wednesday? Oh, look, really all over the place. And in the end, it turned it turned out that that point was a point that definitely turned us around. So, I'm a bit chatting um, to you about that, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, but, but, and then we, then we went in that run of wins, but we, we've kind of lost steam because of injuries, haven't we? And I know Newcastle have got horrendous injuries, but, but Middlesbrough are pretty bad as well, and, 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 and therefore, whatever we achieve now, um, it's you know, when it's not just injuries, it's injuries to really key players through through a, a small, already small squad, and. Um, and that's going to be challenging for us in January when we when we when we're playing these big games because we're, we're we're losing players to the African Cup of Nations and to to the Asia Cup as well as as the injuries. So yes. yeah. um, so that, I think that's what that's I think that's my big caveat now that that the injuries have kicked in and, and and really disrupted things. But yes, for the long run, these for the long run the, the players that were brought in that look and, and they didn't look a good trade off for the players that went out. They they will be here for the for the long term and they will get stronger and and I think we'll have learned something from the way that we did that because it's not just this season is it we've had a succession of seasons where we've started we've started really weak we've looked really badly and we've looked we've, and we've we've swapped managers again and again haven't we in in uh, early autumn this time we didn't thank goodness so we need so we hopefully learn from that in the summer. That we'll have to yes. have a different policy if we can. We, we talked I don't about. Know, I, I, well, I think that's difficult. Do you know? I think continuity is really, really, really difficult in the championship. It's it, really it hard is, to uh, build. Yes, but I think there is a degree of it now. We we started talking about Michael Carrick there and how impressed we were with his demeanour mm. pre and post match press conferences. There was one notable exception: uh, the whole right. game when I thought Middlesbrough unimpressively were cruising to a 1-0 win and suddenly out of nowhere Hull got two goals and yeah. it, 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 it was an appalling last 20 minutes and Middlesbrough was stunned and did, didn't fight back and we were sitting in, right. uh, awaiting Michael Carrick afterwards in the press room and quite honestly we were staggered by his, his positive assessment of, of Middlesbrough's performance but right. and it is a big but the, the, there was obviously method in his madness because a few days later after two uh, pretty, should we say, underwhelming home defeats. They go to Swansea yes. and they win, and then they win at Port Vale. So it is the fact that he 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 does treat defeat and, and wins in the same manner, and he he keeps mm. that same equilibrium. That seems to be the, the Michael Carrick's strength in management. Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, when we were losing all those games at the start of the season, he was saying he he he, he kept he was constantly being asked the same question, and he was saying, "Yeah, I'm just I I stay calm in defeat, and I stay calm in victory. I don't I don't get overexcited." And and we saw that immediately afterwards, thinking he's right, he he does, mm. and he I, I and I hope 
And his, pe- his patience is a lesson, isn't it, for everybody in, in, a, in a world where we want everything here and now. It, it, it's, it's, it's really refreshing to see somebody like that. And, to, and obviously that the board, uh, Steve Gibson, is, is, is behind him in that. Uh, as I say, we, 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 we were getting into a, a rut of, of swapping managers every September, October until, for, yep. until, until Michael Carrick. So it's, yes, he's a, very, he's a calm head, but he, he, is, but he assesses things very astutely. Um, and, well, he's given us some great football in. It's, it's, it's been brilliant in the last two seasons. So many, so many wow. great matches. And, and I, I guess I'm getting on now. But that's that's one thing that I, I just so much. I, I, when I go to a match and I enjoy the match, obviously I want to get promoted and everything. But yeah. it's a really big thing to enjoy the match. <laughs> do, do you know it, it, it's life enhancing he, hearing your enthusiasm because isn't it wonderful when when you look forward to a match? You're not going out of duty. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Listen, it is. It's time. It's time. It's time for your predictions and. Uh, I'm, oh, right. I'll start with Middlesbrough. I don't expect you to talk with as much authority, passion, or enthusiasm about Newcastle Sunderland, but I will ask you your <laughs> predictions for those as well. But let, let's—I'm at uh, Middlesbrough against West Brom tomorrow. I saw right. West Brom lose one 0 at, at Sunderland uh, a couple of weeks ago. They're not a bad side. Uh, Corbyn no. has them well set up, so it, it will be a tricky game for Middlesbrough. It but, will. Um, how do you see it going? And we'll have a scoreline, please. Um, well, I think it will be a really tricky game, um, and, and you, you mentioned those two defeats. In the, but it'll be a very big crowd tomorrow, and I'm hoping they'll be we'll be buoyed up by that and, and the victory at Port Vale. And um, I think hoping for a, a narrow two-one victory to avenge the a, a really bad defeat that we had at the Hawthorns near the start of the season mm, as well. That's, so that's yeah, right. two-one win would be great. A two-one win now. Uh, no doubt you saw Borough romp to their biggest uh, win on Weir's side if, uh, in history a few months ago when, oh, when yeah. uh, they beat Terman Sunderland 4 0. Who do you consider the better side, Borough or Sunderland? <laughs> yes, well, there's um... one for you. I've been giving you easy ones up till now. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, well, well, obviously I saw that 4 0, and I, and, and I, I know. All the... I heard fans afterwards, Sunderland fans saying that, that, that I heard I was in. I was sitting in the park having, having a cup of tea afterwards, and there was there, there, was, there was like a, a family waiting for the father to come home, and, and, he, and he came back and he said, "Oh, he said, uh, yeah, it, it, the whole match turned on the on the red card. Shouldn't be in a red card, and that was the only reason that was falling on. I thought it wasn't really, it was it wasn't. But but in any case, you, 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 uh, you it's no excuse. So <laughs> I, I I I thought. Um, I, 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 well, we'll we'll find out at the end of the season, I guess. But it, it, it's it, I think I think Middlesbrough will end up uh, higher than Sunderland. But I do think Sunderland have made a made a, a big error in getting rid of a manager that was building them slowly but surely, and and a manager that, unlike Michael Carrick, is not involved. We don't think at Sunderland in in the recruitment, and I think that's a really it's a bad strategy. Yeah, I would agree with you on, on that point. On the fourth point, I suspect if I had to uh, had to say who will finish higher, I suspect Sunderland will finish higher. I'm, I'm asking your prediction for Sunderland against Coventry tomorrow. Of course, Coventry, the side who uh, shattered Middlesbrough's yeah. playoff hopes last season. They did, and they're, and they're, and they're, yeah, and they're paying for it now. <laughs> yes, um, indeed. I th- <laughs> 
Uh, oh, it's interesting, yeah, because it, uh, obviously the manage the managerial change, etc. Et and because uh, the, the, they've done, the, they've obviously done really well since Tony Mowbray, haven't they? Sunderland, mm. uh, that uh, the big sort of bounce. Um, but Coventry don't look very good. I, w- I would go for a one 0 victory to Sunderland. A one 0 win for Sunderland. Now I don't know how much Newcastle you've seen. You must have seen plenty because they've been on telly so much, both in Europe <laughs> and on the domestic scene. But uh, ravaged by injuries again, they'll be. Oh, yeah. They're heading to Luton, and it'll be a very emotive afternoon at uh, Kenilworth Road. Oh, it will, after, won't after it? it will. Last, last yeah. week's what could have been very a tragic event. Thankfully, uh, Lockie is yeah. on seems to be on the road to recovery. But even so, it will be a very uh, yeah emotive afternoon. It will indeed. Um, and uh, Luton seem to be um, fighting back, don't they? They seem to be doing it. Uh, uh, and that spirit could... that I imagine that spirit will be, be even more sort of... They'll be all even more together with the, the, the players and the fans tomorrow. be a big test for Newcastle, who, who obviously the, the home form is much has, has been much stronger, hasn't it, than... Then the, 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 it's a way for me. It's away from home, especially where the where the, their injuries are really biting. I don't know. I I think Luton might might pip them two one. Um, they've, they've had so many disappointments, Newcastle. So mm-hmm. would be a bad Christmas. But I just think that that spirit tomorrow from Luton, that the 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 club is they're going to be, as you said, it's going to be such an emotive game. It's going to be such an unusual event to be in. Yes. A real test. So I'm going to go for two one to Luton. Well, do you know, do you know something, Rob? I've, I've enjoyed our chat so much that if ever I fly to the moon, I might just take you with me. So uh, <laughs> thank, you very, thank you very much. Long may your wonderful fans continue, and have a very merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you and to everyone listening. Thanks, Rob. Cheers. Merry Christmas, Rob. Cheers, mate. That was so interesting, and I mean, I'll, I'll t- tell you what you can. I mentioned it to Rob there. You could just hear the passion in his voice, oh. not just about his club, but about the fans. And I love fanzines. I always have since the first ones came up, came about when I was, you know, in my, in my teens. And you know, you you've been to the pub, then you're on your way to the to the stands before I was a journalist and you see the fan I used to buy them all I, I was fascinated by all, all <laughs> no, the fans Flyme's a good one Flyme's a, a good one and I wanted to ask him the question about Rufus the Borough Dog because that was one of one of the cartoon strips that I always used to look for and uh, I just wanted to know what the history was what the, what the background was but I'll probably see Rob tomorrow because we're doing um, Manchester Live on the Red uh, before the Borough game so we'll have a couple right. of hours in the Six Medals pub beforehand live on the radio then we wander across live on the radio and I always bump into Rob when he's outside the the riverside so I'll ask him then yeah it's funny some, some of the best named fancies are ones that only lasted a few editions mm. I remember suddenly had one called It's the Hope I Can't Stand which is which actually every single football supporter, whether they support Torquay or Berwick Rangers, can empathise with that title because it's right. It's the hope that we can't bloody stand, isn't it? <laughs> and yet yeah. it's a hope that keeps us going as well. That's the paradox of football. Mm. Sorry, just grabbing a quick drink of water there. My throat's dry. Um, water? It should, be a, it should be a glass of wine. It's, it's uh, unla- unlike Christmas some Day. of us. Unlike some of us. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Well, I'm sure my next guest, uh, David Spellman, will, will all already have opened his first bottle for the night because he's a good lad, David. He likes his beer, he likes his football, and he's a wonderful journalist. 
Well, we'll catch up with Damien very, very shortly. Um, it is black, white, red all over. Ian Murtagh been writing on northeast football in his 38th season now, and not a transfer in sight. Um, we'll be back across the northeast after this. Black and white and red all over. He can talk football all day. Ian Murtagh. The red, the cat, and the tan. Well, my next guest has been a. Uh, covering football as long as I have and you know something both Damien Spellman and myself we don't look a day older than we did in the mid 80s isn't that right Damien? Um, I I couldn't possibly comment (laughs) I'm just chuckling to myself in the background you look a lot older, Dave. So oh, shut thanks, up. mate. Thanks, <laughs> David. It's it, uh, David. It, it's uh, it's been another pretty uneventful year in the world of northeast sport. <laughs> Not. Yeah, dull as ditch water. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been uh, very eventful, as you say. It's, uh, it's uh, not not before time either, by the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, I mean, this is a show. It's it's a preview show. We look ahead, but. We're three days before Chris has come to the end of the year. So let's let's look back on, on a year which has seen one of our sides reach Wembley. Another side could yet reach Wembley. Two playoffs. And of course, inevitably, sadly, in my opinion, a managerial change among our top three. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, yeah, Newcastle, is, it's just been a sea change, hasn't it, really, from what mm. we'd what we come to expect over the last decade or so, uh, well, longer. Um, and, you know, so many positives, um, you know, so much excitement. As you said, the cup final ultimately ended in disappointment, but the, the journey to get there and, the, the, you know, the day itself seemed like a bit of a watershed for the club, I think. And then obviously top four finish in, in Europe was was dreamland really because I think that was mm. several years ahead of ahead of schedule um, uh, but yeah and, and you know looking looking healthy for for borough and Sunderland as well and as you say I think as as a press pack we were all disappointed to see Tony Mowbray go because he's a he's a guy we all liked and thought was doing a good yes. job um, and you know I think it was clear that that perhaps things weren't perfectly harmonious behind the scenes for for some time so inevitably there there, there was going to be a split at some point but it just seemed uh, uh, a shame the way it uh, the way it happened that's right what what I, what I'd like to do and because I haven't given you a forewarning about this I'll give I'll give you mine first I'd like to, I'd like to pick out the, the most memorable moments for Newcastle, Sunderland and Middlesbrough this year. And uh, right. while, while you're thinking about it, I'll, I'll just say my three. Not necessarily the, the best win or the best performance, but just what I consider were key moments. And I'll start with Newcastle. And I think it was back in March when, when they, they beat Tottenham 6-1. They were 5-0 yeah. up after 20 minutes. And that does not happen in football. And you, you are beginning to think, wow, are you... St- are you witnessing something not just special but something unique now they weren't quite as as dominant in the second half even though Spurs continue to be a shambles but you know you you could go to another two three hundred matches in your life four hundred matches and you will never see a side rack up five goals in the opening 20 minutes so that that was my Newcastle highlight what about yours yeah, I mean that would that would have been right up there, and I, and I think that you know Spurs were shambolic that day, but generally they're a decent side, and they had Harry Kane in the side that day, who uh, who hasn't done badly since, in all honesty. I, I think the other one I I would have picked out in the last year, uh, and it was mm-hmm. 
sort of built upon that was the PSG night uh, at, at, at St James's because I thought that you and I are old enough to remember Barcelona at St James's in, in 97 uh, yes. and I thought it was a similar occasion to that but perhaps a better performance than that I thought that, that, that the stadium was was absolutely bouncing and the, mm-hmm. and the performance matched it and uh, you know a, a, a very expensively assembled team with some very very good players in it was was absolutely taken apart that night uh, a, a team with a very expensive fur coat and no knickers is how I described it at the time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, well, yeah, no, I think yeah. that's a fair way. You know, 11 very good players, but not necessarily yes, a very good team. <laughs> that's right. I, I would, if I had to choose between that and that Barcelona game when Kenny Daglish was in charge and Tino Sprilla got the hat-trick, I would go for the Barcelona simply because there was jeopardy in that game. And Barcelona came back so, so forcefully. And although yeah. Keith Gillespie and Tino, of course, were the standout stars, Shea Given was almost man the match because in the last 25 minutes of that game, from what I remember, he was playing Barcelona on his own. But, yeah, no, no, he was superb. Yeah, and of course, Alan Shearer was was injured. He wasn't in the squad, was that's he? Right. So, that's, that's so Tino, right. Tino stepped up to the mark when it was uh, probably his, his best. Well, and Keith Gillespie's best ever game for Newcastle. I don't think many people would argue with that either. Mm. There, there's, our younger listeners are saying, "Oh, there's those two going on about the old times again." So I'll give myself a slap of the wrist. I'll give you one, and we'll move on. Sunderland, <laughs> I, I'm I'm going for the game. Uh, when they beat Southampton 5-0 earlier this year. Now, they scored very, very early on, which put Southampton on the back foot. And I must admit, I came on the show the following week and I said it wouldn't surprise me if Sunderland were challenging for second place in the table. I always thought Leicester would run away with it. Now, I'm going to be proved wrong on that one. But Sunderland, at their best, played the most wonderful football. I hope that continues under Michael Beale. But, you know, Sunderland fans will always love Tony Mowbray because of his principles, because of his idealism and because of the football that they watched under his tenureship. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I would agree. That, that that would have been on, on my list, certainly alone. I mean, Gavin Bazunu, bless him, had a, a bit of a nightmare that uh, that day, but mm-hmm. Sunderland played really, really well. But if it, it, to, to go for a, a different one to... to um, to, to give a, a range of views. I thought the performance in the first leg of the playoff last season against Luton, after the first yeah. 20 minutes, the way they responded to getting a bit of a pasting for 20 minutes was superb. And they won that game. And perhaps, you know, had they, they eked out another goal there, things might have been different in the... Uh, in the return, which was, uh, you know, which obviously they were they were right up against it uh, in, in the return down there, and just didn't have the players to cope with what uh, what Coventry threw at them. But uh, but I thought that the, the, the yeah. so I was going to say the the second um, the the last hour of the the first leg, I thought they were magnificent. That's right, and of course, no centre horse, no centre forwards, but uh, yeah, I'm a yeah. Diallo on fire. Yeah, absolutely. It was brilliant. Well, they just played so well as a team after after looking almost out of the depth for for twenty minutes. Um, 
but the the, the the character they showed in the organisation and and the the endeavour they showed to not only get back in the game but to to turn it around, I thought was uh, I thought was excellent. And uh, yeah, it was just a shame that it yeah they just didn't have it. They just didn't have it for the they didn't have the team to to be able mm-hmm. to to give it a go in the second leg, unfortunately. And of course, very poignantly, I think man the match in the second leg was uh, Tom Lockyer who. Of course, will be on every, everyone thoughts when Newcastle are visiting Kenilworth Road tomorrow on what will be a very, very emotive occasion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Let, let's turn, turn to Middlesbrough. And I mean, now this has been a roller coaster. Would, you know, we're all keeping our fingers crossed they can produce a, a cup shock again against Chelsea and, and, and reach their first League Cup finals for, for 20 years. But uh, the, the game I'm going for, it's a relatively recent game, Damon. It was when they beat Leicester City 1-0 with a scream of a free kick from uh, Sam Greenwood late on. But what uh. I was so impressed, Michael Carrick's game plan was immense. It was clever and it negated what I consider the best championship side we've seen for many, many years. Leicester had better players. Leicester were always going to have chances it was clever what Michael Carrick did. This, this, it was a day which made me think he's not just a, a good man manager. He is a tactician as well. He he played Housen at times behind the centre halves, and he was he was a little bit bold. He was a little bit radical in 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 his strategies, and it, and it paid off. And it was lovely to see. Yeah, no, I would agree that that was the game I picked out as well. Absolutely, yeah, I. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought it was a yeah, it, it was a, a great plan that worked, and it uh, that must be so satisfying as a coach when you when you you draw up a plan and your players implement uh, implement it to the letters, and you you get the result you you crave from it. I, uh, yes, I thought that was it was very good. And I think the thing is with 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 both Borough and Sunderland when you look over the last year, it's been consistency, hasn't it? They both won games in clusters and lost games in clusters, and if they could just even even that out a little bit, um, you know, you'd think they might. Well, they, they both could still get to where they want to be, but you just just hope for that little bit more consistency of of results who uh, would 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 nudge them right into it. You would think. Yeah, I mean, my earlier guess was Rob Nichols, who you you know very well as the editor of uh, yes, Fly Me yeah, to yeah. the Moon, and um, I, I said to him, he obviously disagreed. I do suspect Sunderland will finish higher, maybe three or four places higher than Middlesbrough this season because the. They suddenly have this vast pool of young talent which is improving. Now, Middlesbrough have outstanding individuals as well, none more so than mm. Hayden Hackney, who has been badly missed in, in, in recent weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I think has been Michael Carrick's uh, finest achievement, he is now squeezing more out of his squad, which, as I put the Rob and Rob agreed, isn't as good as it was last year. You know, they don't have Cameron Archer, they don't have Akpom, they don't have Ryan Giles. Mm. No, no, I agree. I think the the one caveat I would put to that is that um, you know Sunderland is, have a very very young squad, and mm. I, I think sometimes when push comes to shove, that bit of experience is is just what might make the difference. Now, you know Sunderland very nearly got there last year with a with a very young squad, um, so there's 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 no reason to say they they couldn't this time around. But I just. <laughs> 
they don't they don't have that goal scorer, do they? That no, they the don't. Chubarak no. from Borough last season, um, you know, and Cameron Archer who did superbly in the in the second half of the season, and you know you would you would. You, you, I often think in that division, if you've got somebody who scores you 15 to 20 goals and you've got a bit of pace, you've got every chance of getting out of it. Well, they've got plenty of pace, but you just, I just wonder about that that focal point, not even so much a focal point because of the way they play, but somebody to stick the ball in the back of the net regularly. Yeah. Now, yeah. now uh, to, let's talk individuals now. And I suspect if, if you'd been on the show a month ago and I'd said to you, who will you be voting for? And I think that the vote, the voting uh, forms go out in the end of January for Northeast Football Writers Player of the Year. I suspect you would have said Kieran Trippier. He might still be uh, yeah. the the player you considered being the best uh, in twenty twenty three. But I'll ask you. So you know you you watch an awful lot of matches. Who has been your top individual in the region this year? Oh, I think I think it's a tough one. I mean, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Trippy has been magnificent since he arrived, and he's had a, a couple of bad bad games or a couple of bad moments in games over the uh, in the uh, the last couple of weeks. And that that you know, I think mental as well as physical fatigue must play a part in that. Uh, but even the best players make mistakes, of course. Of course. The, the player I've got got a real soft spot for, um, and I think. You know he is he played with injury for a lot of this year is Bruno Gimaraes and I think mm. he's been back to his best in the last three or four weeks and I think at his best is is absolutely superb and I in my personal opinion I think he's right up there with some of the best midfielders I've seen in Newcastle. Um, no, it's but int- I think it's another, int- go on. So, sorry, you know, the, the, the the other thing I was going to say was the player who's really come into his own for me at Newcastle this year is Anthony Gordon, who yes. I think a lot of people, when he first arrived, thought, well, you know, odd signing, what they brought him in for, where's he going to play? And I, and I think it took him time to settle in during the first... But I think he's been he's been excellent this season. I think he looks looks like he could be a real, really top player for the club. Indeed, um, I, I agree. Yeah. When you what, what you're saying about Bruno Guimaraes, I agree with. Although I think it's only in the last uh, month he's he's discovered his best form, and my goodness, his yeah. best form is is a high ceiling. I I would if if I vote at the moment, I would go for either Joe Linton or Jack Clark. Now, yeah, you know Joe, Joe Linton, I think is the heartbeat of Newcastle, and he may never be the nine out of ten in his side, but he's. He's rarely a six. He's always a seven, eight, possibly occasionally yeah. an eight and a half, nine. And, and, you know, he to me is the player that Newcastle need the most because I think he drives them on. He's he's just so, he's, phys, he's physical and he's got passionate. Jack Clark, I don't think there's a better individual in the championship. I'm a huge fan of Hayden Hackney at Middlesbrough. No coincidence, mm-hmm. they've lost a few league games while he's been out. And uh, mm-hmm. I would think if I was voting a one, two, three in the ballot paper next month, I, I would suspect, unless there's major changes, that those would, would be the three names on my list. Yeah, I mean, certainly when it comes to Sunderland, Jack Clark would be head and shoulders above for me. Yeah, um, I think he's he's been excellent for them. And and, and you're right, I don't think there are many better in the uh, in the championship than than, than him. Uh, so yeah, he'd he'd certainly be uh, be right in the mix. And 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 Joel Linton, yeah, 
absolutely agree. I mean, I think, you know, given what's happened in the last, but for what's happened in the last three or four weeks, you, you, there are, there's an argument for four or five Newcastle players and, mm. and Joe Linton would certainly be one of them. Um, um, yeah, and, and when you consider where he's come from in terms of his Newcastle career, I think that's a pretty remarkable achievement. That's right. I mean, as you know, I, I was very, I'm very friendly with Steve Bruce, and uh, you know, you know, Steve will will say, and he will say, you know, credit to Eddie Howe for moving him into midfield. He said, I never saw it. He said, what I saw was a player who was a good player, a wonderful guy, but somebody who wasn't a natural number nine, and you know, no. how how things might have been so different if if Steve Bruce had moved him into midfield. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Steve did at times play him out wide, didn't he? But he, yes, he, on the left, he still yeah. played him higher up the pitch. And I think have, having been moved back into midfield uh, by Howe and played there and got his form, when he has been pushed further up the pitch, he's looked a completely different player to the to the one who played that role for Steve um, back in the day. And I think so much of it is confidence, isn't it? And and you forget, mm. don't you? He was a young lad when he came to this country. Um, I don't know how well he spoke the language, if if at all. But he, you know, it, it, completely different scenario, both on and you know on and off the pitch. And uh, some people take a long time to settle, and he certainly did. But uh, mm. you you certainly he'd be he'd be one of the first names on the team sheet now. I would think in the estimation of most people. I agree. Now, let, let's look ahead to this this weekend's games, Damien. Now I know that uh, you you. You live on Wearside. You frequent Sunderland pubs frequently. <laughs> so you you are you've got your ear to the ground. And Michael Beale, none too popular appointment, is he? And uh, how do you think that do you, there, there won't be this sense of expectancy, anticipation, or euphoria when fans turn up the stadium and for the Coventry game tomorrow? Will there? Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not too sure. It's it's an anti Michael Beale thing. I think it's a more pro Tony Mowbray thing. You know. You That's know a what fair I mean. Point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, that can turn. You know, if 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 he doesn't get results, I think you know it could turn. But conversely, if it does, if he does get results, then I think you know people will shrug their shoulders and say, well, let's get on with it, and see what he does. Um, but but yeah, I, th- I think the bottom line, as you know, for when we're all fans, the bottom line is if you're winning games, people don't really care who the manager is, I don't think. <laughs> um, but I mean, you know, Tony Mowbray's team played good, entertaining football and I think uh, the fans would hope to see that allied with, with results as well. Yeah. Uh, were you impressed with this first press conference, Damien? <coughs> I must confess, I wasn't there. Um, so I've only seen bits and pieces um, since I got back uh, from my day off. Um, and I think, <coughs> well, he said what he had to say, didn't he? Um, yeah. And I, I think that's all you can do. You, you've got to acknowledge the reality of the situation. <coughs> but then, you know, then lay, lay your stall out. But again, it will only be what happens on the pitch that will will dictate how he is received ultimately. And will he start off with a win? Well, that I mean, yeah, that's what everybody wants, don't they? It'd be a great, a great way to go into Christmas for the club. You know, they had those two great home wins against um, West Brom and Leeds, um, and and to uh, 
to to go into Christmas with another one to keep them right right in the mix there. I think would uh, will be what everyone wants, and uh, yeah, you would you would hope that the momentum, you know, that all right, they took a bit of a, a dent last week, but the momentum they had in those two games with Michael Dodds, or those first two games, they would be able to carry it on. Yeah, listen, I'm going to let you get that cough medicine down your neck or that <laughs> little glass of whiskey or, or beer, whatever it is. And and while you're doing that, I'll just give my predictions and then, then we'll turn to the Newcastle's trip to Luton and Middlesbrough's game against West Brom. So I, for Sunderland, I suspect it might be a similar result to their opening game in the Championship way back in August last season when they drew with Coventry. I'm going for a 1-1 draw. Newcastle, as we know, it's going to be a very emotive occasion at uh, at Luton at uh, Kenilworth Road. I'm so so impressed with Luton's performances, especially against the bigger sides. They they raise their game so much. They were desperately lucky not to get a point against Arsenal. They were desperately unlucky not to get a point against Manchester City, and they were desperately unlucky not to get a win against Liverpool. So. I don't think Newcastle will win with their injuries as well. And I have a feeling Gordon might miss out. So I think that could be a 1-1 draw as well. Middlesbrough. Well, I saw West Brom at Sunderland 1-0 defeat two or three weeks ago. And uh, Carlos Corbin, he's a very clever manager. He always has a clever game plan. But I do think Middlesbrough will have a sense of confidence. And all right, they've got injuries. But I have a feeling that will be our sole win in the region. This I think it'll go for Middlesbrough 2-1. So for Christmas weekend, I'm going for a Middlesbrough win, Newcastle draw, Sunderland draw. Over to you, Maestro. Right, interesting. Well, I'm, I'm going to go Sunderland win for the reasons I, I said previously. I think, yeah. yeah, I wasn't particularly impressed with uh, West Brom at, at Sunderland the other week. So I think um, Borough... I think Borough might win as well. And I'm going to go for the hat-trick, depending on what what team Howe is able to put out. And there are doubts over, obviously, Joe, Joe Linton, Anthony Gordon, Fabian Scher, Isaac, uh, Emil Kraft. But I, I think if Newcastle score early, I think they might sneak a win there as well. So I'm going to go for a Christmas treble. Wow, my goodness, you've been on the whiskey early, David. <laughs> but anyway, listen, have a very happy Christmas, and I think I'll be seeing you at St. James's Park on Boxing Day. You certainly will. You're on All good the Christmas best. too. Cheers Take in. care. Bye-bye. Well, guy. Dave, we, we've got... We, he's a wonderful guy. We Listen, Dave, I I cut that short a little bit because it's only fair that we get, we get your moments of the year, and... Uh, your favourite games and your player of the year before we uh, before we sign off. Oh, I was just uh, I was just thinking back to your um, uh, predictions there on the on the games. Uh, was it right? You fancy all three? Did you say? Oh, was that no? Damien does. Damien I think all three. I think Middlesbrough will win, and I think Newcastle and Sunday will draw. Oh, interesting. Because I don't often go for uh, a th- a, a, the three way triumphant. As 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 I'm going this week, I think all three will win. Mm, I think Borough's got a game that they can't afford to lose, correct? Because that puts them nine points behind West Brom, who will still be in fifth place 
in the playoffs. And if Hull City beat Bristol City, they'll be nine points adrift as well. So mm-hmm. I think Borough have to win. So I think you'll, despite all the injuries, I think you'll see Borough really scrapping out for a could be a it could be a scrappy one nil win. Um, so I, I just feel the importance of the situation will come through. I've got a feeling Michael Beale's going to start with a win. I, I, I right. don't know. I just 2-1 uh, I've gone for Sunderland. And Newcastle, I just think, I, I know the emotion that's going to be surrounding Luton Town, the ground, the fans uh, and the occasion. Um, I just think that that will not work positively for them. And I just think Newcastle will be too strong. So a 2-0 Newcastle win. But there you go. That's, I- that's my weekend. Prediction. Yeah, I, I just look at the way that Luton have approached the games against the big clubs and there's there's been no fear factor there. Okay, they're not as good players, but they do they take advantage of what is a unique home territory. Mm-hmm. And you know there And there's more, nothing more uh, unique than Kenilworth there's, Road. There's nothing more unique than Kenilworth Road. Absolutely. I remember going to the away end back in the eighties and you could see the the people's washing on the line yeah. uh, as you walk into the away end, and that's not changed. I think that washing, that very same washing, is still on that very same clothesline. There's, there's a bigger wooden fence, garden fence, gone up, but you can still see over the top of it for when you get that's, to the top of the stand. Absolutely, that's right. Listen, before you go, and of course, you are allowed because it's Christmas. You'd be smoggy biased. Your moment of the of 2023 and your player of 2023 and your match of 2023. Moment and match come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leicester City this season. Yeah, Has well, that, that's what we said. I mean, that's it. That's it for the borough. Uh, the occasion, the fact it was Leicester City, um, it, was, it was a great yardstick to measure how far apart borough were from a team you are expecting to bounce straight back up to the Premier League. Indeed. Um, it, and it was more the tactical changes that that made it extra special for me it wasn't just beating leicester city it was the way carrick changed things yes. and it was a yeah. different borough that was that was playing against and that, that and that to me proved his uh not that he has to prove anything to anybody but it just proved his credentials as Correct. somebody who's going to be a top flight manager um, and your player your player of the northeast hayden hackney well well for borough hayden hackney um mm. bruno gamarish uh, obviously but you know what? Uh, sentimental that it might be because of what's happening right now, Kieran Trippier. I think Kieran Trippier, uh, prior to the Bournemouth incident, has been a, a model professional. He took a huge gamble to come from Atletico Madrid um, and come to a struggling Newcastle team when that happened. And um, you've just seen a player like that shine. So through 2023 as much as I would love to say Hayden Hackney because of the way he's just come through and naturally proved himself in the centre of a championship team uh, I'd go for Kieran Trippier Do you know what he, he is a wonderful bloke he never turns down interviews I first got to know him when I spent seven weeks with the England squad in Russia and he he, he was always interesting to talk to he was always helpful he was always articulate and I really felt for him when he went up to take that second penalty at Stamford Bridge the other night. I was going, don't miss, don't miss. But yeah. of course, you know, it, it was written in the stars, sadly. By the way, this is a season of peace and goodwill. And Newcastle and Sunderland fans, well, they're not always bosom buddies. And they certainly won't be in the new year. But <laughs> I, just wanted, I, I, I just want to do a bit of speculation here. Do you know who Kieran, one of his best mates in football is? Go on. Jordan Pickford. Wow. The man that Newcastle loved to hate. But I can guarantee you, Jordan Pickford will have been on the phone to Kieran Trippier this week, passing on his condolences. We're Merry done. Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas.